I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast, Third Millennium Education. It's a collection of thoughts and inspirations of stakeholders within education. What is education for and who is it serving? This is a podcast exploring state-mandated education, its relevance, impact, and how it can best meet the needs of third millennium learners, employers, and the country. I interview exciting people who have had direct experience of education. So whether you are a parent, training to be a teacher, a policymaker, an academic, or an education innovator, somebody working in ed tech, there will be something for you. I'm your host, Senna Hobson. So welcome to the third Millennium Podcast. I'm invited today to be chatting with Lawrence Delalio, a rugby legend, but in addition to being a rugby legend, he's also founded a charity called Delalio Rugby Works that works with young people who have already been excluded from school or at risk of being excluded from school. So I know his passion for education and for supporting young people who have found, have struggled within that system. So I'm delighted to talk to you today, Lawrence. Well, Zena, it's, it's my great pleasure to join you on this podcast. Where, where do I start in education? Probably at the beginning, that would help, wouldn't it? But um, no, I mean, I grew up in, a, in, in what I call a fairly um, humble uh, working class environment. Um, father was an Italian immigrant, uh, Vincenzo. My mother was um, from the East End of London, very hardworking uh, Irish, English family. So I think your education is kind of starts really from the minute you arrive and so uh you know I was brought into this world by by two incredibly hard-working individuals so we lived in in um in London uh grew up in London and then uh so I went to a series I mean I'd sort of been educated in the state sector and then also ended up benefiting from uh being moved quite deliberately by my parents into the into the private independent sector when I was about 13 years old, maybe maybe a little bit earlier um, from memory. Um, so yeah, so I've had a sort of a, uh, a fairly uh, fairly normal upbringing. My sister got a scholarship uh, in her own uh, education. Uh, she was an amazing dancer, uh, and so yeah, my parents sort of deliberately took the uh, took the decision to move me out of um, out of state school, where I would have been in a class of about nearly 40, maybe just over 40 kids per class. Um, which was quite a lot back then, I guess. Um, and then I, I went into an independent school, a prep school, and then onto onto a sort of a, a more traditional boarding school, which was private. And I was in a class of you know anything from about fifteen below. So um, so it's sort of slightly different education, I guess. Seen both sides of the spectrum. You know, I'm not suggesting one's better than the other. Um, but you are what you're exposed to in life. That's what my mother used to teach me. Um, and I would say education would be the same. You know. Um, you can you can go with you can go to school with an attitude that you want to work really 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 hard. Um, so I think my uh, you know my parents' attitude to education was uh, was was fairly simple really. They you know they, uh, they they bring you up with a set of values you know and then obviously my mum very strongly decided to make a decision uh, to take me out of uh, out of state school and, and and give me the opportunity I guess to go to. Uh, to private school, to independent school, and what she thought she was doing was was introducing me to a slightly different world um, and a sort of a you know she always used to say to me, "You are what you're exposed to in life," and I guess that's the same for your education and your upbringing. Um, and the more good, positive things you can be exposed to, the more opportunities you can create for young people, um, the better their, their their journey and their path might be through their education. I mean, if they're sort of slightly um, <clears throat> mischievous little 
things like I was back then, um, you know, you, you tend to slam a lot of doors firmly in your parents' face. But uh, eventually, if you keep opening enough doors in education, you know, you, you find a few things that, that land comfortably and, the, and that you really like. So, so yeah, so I think I, I saw both sides of the fence, um, both sides of the coin, if you like. Um, I saw saw um, some pretty tough schools over in uh, state schools over in, in London. Um, and then I saw some some slightly some slightly uh, less formidable environments in um, uh, you know in, in in the private sector as well. So what inspired you from that to dedicate both your time, your effort and your money to setting up a charity that works particularly not finding their feet in education and are not coping well mm. with it to the point that they're getting excluded. <clears throat> what fires you up about that? Why that charity? Well, because I, you know, whilst I, uh, I would say I had unconditional love in my, in my upbringing from my mother and my father, and I was given a belief system to go out there and kind of conquer the world. I was also, also recognised that not everyone benefits from that kind of, that same upbringing of, of having that unconditional love. Um, I think the, um, you know, I, even though I had all of those things, I still had quite a troubled childhood. I lost my sister, to, you know, in very early when I was 16. She was 19, very tragically passed away in, a, in an accident. So uh, I wouldn't say the journey was a smooth one. And I definitely had some, some questions that I was asking uh, throughout my childhood and ended up getting into a lot of trouble. So I, uh, and it was actually rugby and, and, and me finding sport that actually gave me the sort of structure, discipline, if you like, to uh, to try and have a little bit more balanced and consistent decision-making going on in my life. And I just felt um, after that journey, and by no means my journey wasn't as tough as some of the young people we work with, but, you know, the reason I wanted to get involved and set up Rugby Works is that I think with success that I've had in my rugby career comes responsibility. And I'm a firm believer that you arrive in this world with nothing and you leave with nothing. Um, but you can make an impact during the bit in between in lots of different ways. And it's not just about making money and providing for yourself and the people around you. There's other ways of leaving your mark in society. And I think once you've taken something, you should give it and pass it on. And uh, that's what led me to set up Rugby Works, really. It's been going for over nine years now. We work with young, disadvantaged you know, boys and girls all around the country who have been sometimes excluded from mainstream, but just sometimes at, at risk of getting lost in the education system and using the kind of values of rugby as a hook. Um, we deliver a program that hopefully starts by giving them some of their self-confidence back, building up a bit of pride and self-esteem. And we, we take them on a journey, really, to get them into well, just opening their eyes into the world of possibilities and, and hopefully getting them thinking about employment and education, maybe in a slightly different way to they did before. So, you know, for Many of these people come from what I would call a chaotic background, not the, not one that I came from when I was growing up. But actually, all they need is a bit of support and a bit of help and a bit of encouragement. And I'm really passionate about that. And I genuinely believe that there is a massive problem in society between those who have and those who don't have. And I think what we've seen in the last six months with COVID is just widen that gap even further. Um, and Rugby Works is, is my way of, tr of trying to help out. And I, and I think if it, if it pricks anyone else's conscience, then they should help out too, really, because, um, as I said, we arrive in this world with nothing and we leave with nothing. So what we do in between is really quite important. And in terms of thinking about mainstream education, you feel that school currently isn't opening the eyes of young people to the, to the world of possibility. What do you think is wrong 
with mainstream education so that these young people that you describe as the have-nots are not getting what they need out of it. What's wrong with mainstream education? Um, well, I don't think... Uh, I mean, there's a lot that's right with mainstream education as well, by the way. So before I before I sort of tuck in and get stuck in, um, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of great people out there, a lot of great teachers, schools, staff, heads, um, you know, pupils, etc. There's a lot of good things that we should be very, very proud of. Uh, too many to list, actually, but... I'm a firm believer that school is not a one size fits all, um, you know, thing. A lot of young people, um, come, we, we, you know, we're all born very differently, but, but no young person is born bad. They, they're just born into a different circumstance to, to maybe the person next door. And I think we have to, we have to take that on board. Um, I, I, I think in the, in the last few, maybe the last five to 10 years, I think there's a massive obsession with academic results in schools, uh, which is, you know, I, I, I do understand the need and importance for, uh, for gaining uh, qualifications, for, for having a, you know, for proving that you can um, adhere to a sustained curriculum and that you can end up, you know, having the discipline of taking, you know, tests and exams, etc. But I do think that there is a, a little, in the last decade, that there's just been this massive shift towards just making it a, a bit more of a one-size-fits-all kind of um, um mass hysteria on, on academic results and and I don't believe that every young person is driven to go to school by academic results I think we're all good at something I think some of us are lucky enough to find out what that is eventually um, and I just think that there's a there's a different way of challenging young people and it's not always about um, you know making sure that they get the very best academic results so uh, so yeah so I think there's a <clears throat> there's a few things I mean I would obviously push and be a much bigger advocate of sport of, of health and well-being mm-hmm. of nutrition um of, of mindfulness of of uh, of all sorts of things because um you, you can push education as much as you like but if you're not if you're not fit to work you know you, you can't work to get fit you know it's not you can't do it the other way around you've got to you've got to be uh, you've got to be good you know in, in in good shape physically and mentally to go to school in the first place so uh, you know i think that there there is a need sometimes for for, for schools to understand that they're that uh, that then a lot of these young people that, that get sent to school are just not necessarily equipped with the skills and the tools to cope in the in the environment and the curriculum that, that exists and sometimes we need to we need to sort of change that a little bit so you've talked about and I absolutely agree with you I think there is a lot that is fantastic in our education system and a lot of teachers are that you know are the fantastic but I agree with you that we've really gone down a road now of an almost a sort of sausage machine of just get your grades, get your grades, get your grades, get your exams without thinking around it. And um, I hear you very much about taking on board sport and physical well-being and mental well-being. What other things do you think that we're maybe missing because of our relentless focus on exam acquisition? Um, well, I think the um, the, the, the the understanding that. I mean, obviously, you know, the academic results. I get that they're that they're that they are massively important, particularly things like English and, and maths. You know, that a basic level needs to be attained. But I think that there's that, that there is a um, an opportunity to do so much more with young people to prepare them a little bit more um, for what life might start to look like. Um, I mean, I'm for, first of all, I'm a firm believer that, that we mustn't, you know, the world has changed immeasurably from when I was a young, young, young person, and it will continue to change. And what you want young people in, to be is you want them to be young, you want them to enjoy their childhood, you know, it should be the best time of your life. And, and I think school has got a sometimes a way of, 
of um, of accelerating the process a bit quicker than it needs to be. You know, I would say to people, you know, why why are we making young people take exams at, at the age of six or eight? You know, it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, let them be children, let them grow up and enjoy themselves. You know, there's, there, so I do think that that there is a, a, a little bit of a, an obsession with accelerated learning. I mean, obviously, you know, naturally young people will rise to the top if they want that. But also, I think you've got to let young people just be, be themselves and be, be kids uh, and not make them grow up too quickly, if that makes sense. Um, I, um, I think that there is so much that could be, um, that could be put into, into a school day. Um, and I, I would beg and implore people who run schools and who... Um, uh, who look after these young people to really examine what they're getting out of their out of each and every minute of every hour of every day because I think that um, they could work a lot smarter some schools they could give the necessary attention to the areas outside of um, academic uh, classrooms that, that that really need it whether it's the arts whether it's sport whether it's whatever it might be um, to really make sure that that young people maximize you know their potential really because that's what you want to achieve and 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 to be kind of really proud of, of what they're doing and you know I think for me it's about teaching young people how to carry themselves you know the best way to inspire anyone I think is to give them positive energy in the same way as you feed off other people um, I think other people feed off of you and it, you know in every interaction you have with young people I think we should try and make that a positive interaction you know rather than thinking about yourself all the time it's about sometimes putting other people first and I think for me the greatest thing in life is giving and this all sounds a bit happy clappy but it's but it's I'm very passionate about it and it doesn't have to be um, a physical gift it can be your your time your feelings your thoughts and so the best way for for me to inspire young people is just to give them your energy and, and make sure that every interaction is a positive interaction. Because I think if you do that, then young people tend to take that forward in their lives and they, they tend to be very positive um, and, uh, and, and try and uh, help other people as well. Really, I really like a lot of what you said in there. Um, I think that that whole stuff about enjoying is so important. Um, and I think if we're too focused on the goal, not the learning, the goal being the exam, I think you do miss out on that. But I was also really struck by two things you said, make every minute count. So what are we doing to make sure that every minute counts? And how can we make every act interaction a positive one? And I wonder if you've got some examples from your time as you know, a world-beating, world-leading rugby player where that training and that discipline in rugby could be translated to help make every minute count and every interaction positive. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, I think we have to remind ourselves that we're, you know, we're not on this planet on our own. We're on it together. Um, and it's a journey that we we obviously have our own uh, our own thoughts and ideas and dreams and aspirations about, you know, where we're going to be 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. But but actually, you can't. You often can't get that. You can't get to any of those things on your own. You, you, I mean, you could try, but you simply won't be able to do it on your own. At some point, you'll have to you know, use and need and, and lean on the help and support of other people. And I think, for me, that's the kind of essence of what a team is, isn't it? It's about, you know, we've all, we've all got our individual goals within that team. We all want to do, you know, to become world, world beaters and, and, and achieve great things. But actually, you need to do that collectively. 
collectively. And I think those are the kind of experiences that I would I, I would say is, is teach people to be great individuals, teach young people to be best version of themselves that they can possibly be. You know, the best people in any profession tend to be people that set the very highest standards um, and they drive those standards relentlessly forward, but also teach people how to how to be kind and how to look after each other and how to work together um, to find the right solution things and and uh, because ultimately um as we all grow up through our lives from from young to old you know you, you have to work with other people so uh, um you don't always agree on everything all the time but uh, it's about kind of bringing the best out in yourself uh, and learning how to do that and that starts at school really <clears throat> and bringing the best out in people around you as well and I think certainly my experiences on the on the sports field have taught me that uh, success is never normally down to one person and neither's failure, by the way. Um, you know, you, we win together and we lose together and we learn from the mistakes and we move on uh, and we try and become better, both individually and collectively. And I think uh, all sounds very simple, doesn't it, really? But it's but it, but it, these are the things that, that are the sort of life lessons that I think have really stood me in good stead, both on the field um, and, and off it as well. That's really interesting. So when you think about the charity you set up, uh, Delalio Rugby Works, what skills, what is it that the coaches or mentors or the staff that that work with the young people, what is it that they are doing to help young people bring out the best in themselves? Well, I think the first, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the first thing they're doing is they're, they're establishing a, a long-term relationship with the young people. And, and we're, you know, as, as I said to you before, we're, we're, we're often dealing with young people who um, come from chaotic backgrounds. There might be a history of, of, uh, of all sorts of, um, of issues in the family, whether it be abuse through alcohol, drugs, violence, whatever it might be. You know, there's a whole there's a whole myriad of, of things that may have gone on. Often young people um, are coming into school um, because it's a safer environment than they are than they're in at home. Often we're working with young people who are not necessarily the oldest people in their family, but they tend to be the primary carers in their family. You know, there's, there's a whole complex lot of issues going on. They don't necessarily, or they haven't, for whatever reason, had role models in their lives that they can either trust or look up to. <clears throat> so often, the first thing our coaches are doing is they're kind of filling the void that's been left behind by, you know, dare I say it, bad parenting, poor parenting, um, non-existent parenting. And they're, they're building that long-term relationship with a young person um, and, and building trust. Um, and that takes time for for, for anyone to, to do, you know. And, uh, and but once they once they built that trust, I think it's about then taking that young person on on a journey, really. And and, and as I said, trying to uh, get them on a positive pathway, um, feeling uh, good about themselves. It's very hard to respect other people when if you don't really respect yourself. And um, so I think it's about creating that respect, creating that kind of uh, the, the discipline, um, the enjoyment about certain things, and and just getting them feeling very positively. And as I said. Um, life is about about what you're exposed to, both good and bad. And if and, and if you're exposed to good things, you know good things tend to come of it. If you're exposed to bad things, you know it, 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 the, the same can be said. So uh, I think our coaches are about taking them on that journey, and, and as I said, uh, over a period of time, trying to open their eyes to the world of possibilities. Um, that sounded like Willy Wonka there you know what I mean it's it's that's that's what it is and and uh, I think that the the young people that I mean that's what that's what they need more than anything really uh is just to be given the opportunity because once you've got the opportunity um then you know you can 
you can grab it with both hands and, and take some really positive steps forward. So, you know, that's what I'm really passionate about. And uh, as I said, it's something I, I will continue to strive for. And in terms of that you've invested in, in terms of your charity activities, but also I'm sure in the broadest sense, I, you know, mm. coaching and, and the other things that you do, a lot of that is in person and requires you to be in the same place at the same time. Think about education in its broadest sense increasingly we all need our digital lives our digital selves our avatar our social media what role do you think that um the digital world should play in education are you thinking about that within your charity yeah i mean i, I think it's inevitable whether we you know no one no, you know we're, not everyone likes change at the pace that that it's happening at the moment but um you know it's uh, if i think about the education that i had um versus the education that young people have nowadays um you know it's a completely different world um both technologically and and, and physically in many ways so i think you've got we we have to um we have to take on board the um the need for 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 uh for technology and and utilize it to the best of our abilities but also um not at the expense of losing the basics as well um, you know, you, we can't let technology and phones and and, um, and and everything else rule everyone's lives. You know, there's still some fundamental basics that everyone needs to learn um, <clears throat> without the without without technology. You know, how to behave in a certain way, how to how to have culture that takes you forward in the right direction, how to have certain values that that, that sit very comfortably around uh, around you and around the people that you're with before you then start to bring in the the, the technology. I, I mean, I'm a I'm all for you know for for bringing in technology to to connect people together to make people safer to make people smarter all the things that that it, that it currently you know is doing but I think that we also have to just temper that with the fact that there's that for all the good that it creates it, it creates a lot of problems as well and we have to be aware of those problems and mindful of of all the all the other issues like you know online bullying like you know all sorts of things that can be created by technology and just aware of of you know the power of it really and, and try and make it a power for good uh, rather than the, the, the other way around yeah so it's not something that can just be used as an alternative because if you don't understand yeah. <clears throat> how to keep yourself safe how to work out what's and what's real how yeah. to manage this I, you know i think about young people a lot this constant need for likes to have this digital yeah. presence that actually gets you rewarded and boosts your own ego if you don't have fundamental self-belief actually it can become a really distorting power for destruction can't it uh, i i 100 agree with that and also i think it's you know it's there as a supplement it's not there as, as the main source you know so if, i mean as a, as a parent of three children myself you know i thought very long and hard about what age is the right age to give your young child a mobile phone um you know what age is the right age to, to, to let them have a computer um you know all of these sort of questions and, and thoughts and, and you know what you mustn't do is, is think that by giving them all these things that it suddenly takes away your responsibility to bring them up and and parent them in the way that you that, that you would if they didn't have them those those things you know um the best the best thing young people can have is is as i said unconditional love and, and, and support from their parents they don't need a screen shoved in their face and told to go and look at that while parents get on with something else you know uh, it's uh, 
And I think there's a balance to be struck. I mean, obviously, everyone needs their own time together, but um, <clears throat> the best time spent with your young children is is definitely face to face, rather than allowing technology to um, to become the, the fundamentally the most important thing in their lives. So I think some simple rules, really, and some simple kind of guidelines around how we use technology um, to our, all of our advantage, I think, is is pretty good. And it's certainly proved to be invaluable for some young people during this period of lockdown because it's been one of their only outlets but I agree it's got to be done got to be done in a safe way that actually enhances life as opposed to either replaces life or distorts life yeah and I think for for a lot of for a lot of the young people that we work with the the, you know having the the uh, having technology having the ability to stay connected stay safe you know all of those great things is is, uh, brilliant really and 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 that I think is uh, is really important because um, you know pretty tough growing up at the the moment I think Uh, it's probably as hard as it's been you know ever for any young person growing up and I think that whatever tools we can give them both physically and and you know in, in lots of other ways to make them feel like they're not on their own like they're, like, like they've got the support around them like they can stay connected and be safe I think is uh, is, is great brilliant final question for you what was the best advice you were given by your coach or your trainer for you and your team that actually helped you become the world champions that you were I mean, sport is a is a results-driven business, really. I mean, ultimately, you're judged both as a leader based on what you achieve and the scores are there for everyone to see every match, every week. So understanding how you get the best out of yourself is really, really important. Um, but also just being honest and have, being able to have honest conversations with yourself um, you know, in terms of in terms of where you are versus where you want to be, really, and um, yeah, you have to have that sort of continual drive towards those targets. So I think for me, it was uh, it, it was really about just having an honesty and a frankness that you really live by, um, and, a, and a feedback that you give yourself. Um, and sometimes that means having quite uncomfortable conversations um, with both yourself and other people as well. But more importantly, that you move forward and you grow quickly. And I think it's not always easy, but it's really important to get to a position of trust in, in a group where you feel that you can you can be open and, 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 and sort of try and learn and try and move forward. So to me, that is probably the best, you know, the best bit of advice is is, is just to have that open and, and, and frank honesty. Um, and everyone thinks success comes from people who are just really talented. The most successful people I've ever come across and experienced in my life, they've got talent, no doubt about that. But I tell you what, above anything else, they've got this work ethic and this desire to to work as hard as any uh, as anyone twice as talented as them. You know, so so that would be the key for me. Is talent is half of the battle, but the uh, the rest of it is, is is down to you. So to be honest with yourself, to bounce back from mistakes or failures, and to work hard. Yeah, and to work hard, and then I finish by where I started with with you know for me by saying that every. To try and give people your energy and be positive, because um, and try and make every interaction a positive one, because that is, uh, you know, if you do that, then uh, you're going to go a long way in life. Well, thank you, Lawrence. It's been a fantastic, positive conversation, and I've certainly taken a lot away from it. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you, Lawrence Delalio, a world champion rugby player, a rugby legend, and now a TV commentator and a leader of a phenomenal charity working with excluded young people. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Third Millennium Education. I'd like to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. 
If you did enjoy this episode, do hit the subscribe button to continue to receive future episodes of this podcast. If you would like to be interviewed or you know somebody who would be good to interview, please also get in touch. I hope you'll join me on the next episode and together we can carry on the conversation to ensure that we can best meet the needs of third millennium learners, employers and the country. Thank you again and see you on the next episode.